You're listening to the PCA NextGen Podcast. We are broken, we are messy, we are student ministry leaders. We have experienced the battles of ministry, and we've wondered where is God in those battles. So we created this podcast to connect with you. And our hope is that as you listen, that you'll see God at work in our ministry stories. Through Jesus, we are deeply loved by the Father. We think that anyone can get in on this. So subscribe and connect with us at www.pcanextgen.com. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Mikey Puckett. I'm the youth director at Seven Rivers Church in Florida. And here with me is Matt Hedinger, who is the youth director at Old Cutler in Miami. And then Katie Goslin, uh, the youth director at Severna Park in Maryland. Is that correct? Yeah. Awesome. So um, if you are new to the show or listening to the uh, podcast, uh, the idea is, you know, we want, you know, to connect uh, people uh, to resources and connect uh, them to people uh, like us. So we're going to share a little bit with you guys um, what it, you know, from our youth ministry experiences. Um, but to begin, um, I would love to ask uh, Matt and Katie, um, if you were not in youth ministry, what would you uh, be doing um, for your career? Um, and I know this might be a touchy subject for some of us. So <laughs> it also sounds like what's our backup plan in case we get fired? Like that's what do we have in the? <laughs> what's our parachute? Hey guys, real quick, the PCA Next Gen team is putting together a conference for you, student ministry leaders. It's October 16th through 19th, and you can sign up at www. .pcanextgen.com. All right, let's jump back into it. Well, to, an- to answer your question, I, uh, I have several versions of how I would answer this, but I will tell you that my original, my original desire to, to, before I wanted it, before I became a Christian, actually, even was to be a police officer. So that was actually the direction that I wanted to take my life in. And, um, was abruptly halted and redirected. <laughs> not not that being a Christian doesn't mean I can't be a police officer, but very quickly after becoming a, a Christian, I felt like I was being called into the ministry. Yeah. And that created like a serious uh, existential crisis for me because I thought I wanted to be a cop from the time I was eight till the time I was 18. Um, mm-hmm. And then oddly enough, my plan was to retire from the police department and then open a restaurant. I wanted to own a restaurant as, as a retired police officer. And I, I had it, I had it all planned out. It was going to be a nice place that cops could bring their wives oh, and, and have a nice dinner. That's wonderful. And I was going to call, <laughs> right. And I was going to call it cuffs. <laughs> I love this, man. I don't I know it. that. that what, what would be I, the food? I don't know if that was, are we talking uh, Mexican restaurant? Talking Chinese? No, it would it would be like American comfort food, like steaks mm. and mm. meat and potatoes kind of stuff. But it was oh. going to have a long, 
there's going to be all dark wood, a long oak bar, and a corner for a three-piece uh, blues band. Matt, I think we should still just make this happen. Well, <laughs> this is on the side. Well, <laughs> you and you are the man that could make that happen. You, I could. So now I'm too old and too fat. So if I leave youth ministry, I can't be a police officer. Like that wouldn't work. I would be. I mean, at best, I could be Paul Blart, mall cop. <laughs> you know, with the with, with the segue. But I have uh, fantasized with another youth, another pastor. Like, if we ever leave the ministry, uh, we'll open up a food truck, you know, which is a little bit more attainable. Um, and it would be bourbon and and smoked brisket, and we'll call it Holy Smokes. Oh, That's I love it. <laughs> you got the name. The name is everything. So. Branding is everything. You got to know. <laughs> so it's it's Two funny, Matt, that you bring up uh, that you would want to do be a police officer because in college my degree was criminology because I wanted to be an FBI agent, <laughs> which no way I realized that that is very funny. Uh, I think I watched way too much uh, CSI or uh, NCIS uh, and was fully indoctrinated that that was something that I should do. I think every time I told like my parents what I was doing in college and other people who knew me, I think everyone's eyebrows raised a little bit and were like, huh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone was like, yeah, man, you should go for that. Uh, that's, that's all you. So, uh, but actually, yeah, I'm really glad that I didn't do that route um, and ended up working with High school, middle school students, which though that. sometimes feels like there are moments where you have to pull out some detective work and FBI work. I feel like uh, when <laughs> there's it, when definitely a criminology out. aspect to it, but I I can't imagine being arrested by a nicer person. Yeah, well, oh, I, I, yeah, that's very right. Odd. Like, can you imagine like a, you're you're this white collar <laughs> criminal and you're in your uh -huh. office and you've been uh, running a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> And then uh -huh. in walks Mikey Puckett, and he's just like, hi, you're yeah, going away for the rest you. of your life. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to make you do a perp walk. This is going to be real nice and gentle and polite. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You'd be an ex <laughs> uh, Real quick tangent. I have actually been arrested. And I'll never share <laughs> Really? But when I got fingerprinted in, in jail, when they fingerprinted me. Uh-huh. The guy who was doing it said that I had the softest hands he's ever felt. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I am a very gentle person, very soft oh my goodness. and, and the, gentle. Mikey, you just made this the most legit youth ministry podcast ever. That kind of like who would ever say that publicly? Only, a, I've been only arrested and B, I have this – I have the gentlest hands that any police officer has ever seen. Hey, I'm just quoting what the guy said to me when he when he and he's like, right. "Have you worked a day in your life?" And I was like, "Well, I type, <laughs> I type things right. on paper on Microsoft Word." <laughs> so, um, hey, what about you, Katie? I have, I have dodgeball dodgeball calluses. That's that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, I definitely wouldn't be in law enforcement at all. So, sorry guys to mm. break that trend, but. Um, I actually had another career before I started doing youth ministry, so I would go back to doing that. I uh, used to work at a residential high school. I did student life, so I would do higher education. 
Oh, so awesome. work with students and probably at a collegiate level and probably not in housing. Now that I'm in my thirties, I don't really want to live on campus. Um, but yeah, probably more stuff in um, working with first generation college students, attrition, retention rates, all that kind of stuff. So I loved that job. So why not go back to that? Right. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. You yeah. would be awesome at that. Thanks. I was awesome at that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, uh, I know you lived at a, at a residential school and it was a high school. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, like I, the minute you said like collegiate, like I flashed back to my college experience and I was like, you'd be an amazing, like Dean of women or right. resident director. Like I, I never really thought about it like that. That'd, you'd be Thanks. amazing at that. Thanks. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe one day I'll do some combination of both. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but that would. Be... those are my two careers thus far. I feel like Katie. Well, actually that, your career actually sorry, lines up with youth ministry a lot. The one that you it were does. doing before is literally youth ministry still in so many ways. Right. So It is. It really was. And so, yeah, I lived on campus and, like, um, did essentially all the things that happened outside of the classroom. So took them to appointments, hung out with them, like, talked to them about all kinds of stuff and just did life alongside them constantly. So, love it. But, most of them did not grow up in the church. Most of them were not interested in the gospel. So that part was kind of different, <laughs> but everything else was, yeah, it was great. Well, thank you guys for yeah. sharing your, uh, your, uh, secret careers that you wish you had. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, well, I, 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 was, I, uh, I'd like to ask a, say again, Matt, I'd like to ask a, I'd like to ask a tw another version of that question, if you don't mind. No, come on. Like, let's say, let's say you do youth ministry as long as you can, right? And you don't have to do anything else. What what else would you do? Like like not not like not if you stopped right now, what would you do? But I mean, like at the end of your like here, I'll give you an example. I this is more like the long the lines of like fantasy for me. But because Katie brought this up, I would I there's a part of me that would love to go back to where I went to school and teach youth ministry. Mm. Like as an old like an old retired youth guy, yeah. like be back on campus. Um but that's part of that's wanting me wanting to go back to where I went to school. You know what I mean? No, I love that. Mm -hmm. No, something that I probably anything for like that for you guys? Yeah, something that I've leaned into thinking about just because my dad did it when I was a kid, he planted a church. So I've always been like, oh, maybe I feel like, and I also feel like youth pastors plant churches every like four years. You're planting a new one with new kids and mm -hmm. new faces. Yeah. So you're starting, you know, new cycles, new, new ideas, you know, it's a revolving door of, you know, and I think college ministers feel the same way a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So I've been like, oh, maybe I would, maybe I would plant a church. Uh, which you know, if you say that out loud to anybody, everyone looks at you once again, eyebrows raised, and like, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really us, really, really, Mikey. You know, I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe I won't do it, but maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But yeah. I think I do. I think there's a lot of skill sets that overlap. I think in youth ministry, we're we're also building a culture. Yeah. Like we're trying to define a culture in our ministry and um, 
that's one thing that church planting offers pastors is that they get to define the culture. They're not coming into a ship that exists. There's no traditions. There's no expectations. And you get to set all of those things. But I think mm. that's what I think we do that on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it would be for me. I could retire and I could do anything. We, we agree with that statement. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Right. I could retire. I, I feeling, could do I'm, anything. I'm feeling like a politician from Katie. Right. Well, I don't know. I feel like part of me would want to just like find ways to give the things that I've learned away to f- for free. Right. Like, oh, like I'll go work at a church plant that couldn't afford to hire somebody mm. to do youth ministry or to do, mm. you know, to, you know, to oversee discipleship ministries or, note, you know, like, oh, I'll free. go. Katie, Katie in retirement will probably work for free. <laughs> Katie would probably work for free right now if she could figure out how to do it. <laughs> I think that would be the worst thing in the world for me to do. Even if I had all the money in the world, I need that kind of governor on me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be like, if I did work for free, I'd be like, if somebody corrected me, I'd be like, so what? Right. Katie, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be that. Dude. No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. And I feel like if I didn't do anything related to ministry or like going back into education, like we were talking about, um, I don't know. I really like the, like, trying something new with, like, food trucks or food services or, you know, like, doing something just completely different from anything I've, I've done thus far. Could be a lot of fun. Love that. Right? I love that. Um, all right. Well, to pivot, unless Matt has another question, I would love. No. No. <laughs> before, before I apologize. We, before we jumped, you know, and started recording, Matt was saying in this section that he's going to be, you know, the old old man um, on the couch, <laughs> like get off my couch. You know. uh, so you have full permission, Matt, to um, embody that um, in this next little section. Uh, so what I want to, what I was curious about is, do you, what do you guys love um, about this generation of middle school and high school students? Um, what are things that mm-hmm. you affirm that you see in them that you're like, this is awesome. Uh, I'm so you know, encouraged by this. And then maybe uh, the dark side of that one or the other side of the coin for that one is, is what do you challenge? Uh, maybe that's something that maybe mm-hmm. for me definitely comes a lot easier is to think, okay, critically and be like, all right, I challenge this. This is not what I like about this. But yeah, let's start off with like, what do you love? And then, mm-hmm. and then maybe what do you, what do you challenge um, about this generation of middle school and high school students? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, for me, the first thing that comes to mind, at least with our students, is they are really good at being a family together, you know, like um, caring well for one another, walking in life together, um, sharing in life together, you know, like we have a bunch of shows going on right now at all the different schools that all the kids are in and soccer games and all that kind of stuff. And whenever I go to those things, there are always other students there, like always like supporting and caring well for their their peer group, right? And so I feel like they create, at least our students find a way to create, and I think it's cultural, create well like a network of friendship, you know, like people that they see as like safe and family outside of their nuclear family. Um, and they do it in a way that's really beautiful and they live, 
you know, life pretty transparently with one another and try to like come alongside one another. Um, I think the other side of that is that I see them often try to do it alone or without like the assistance of like helpful and trusted adults that can like help them walk through, you know, someone that's like outside the microscope that they're living under um, to some degree, right? Like, I don't know if that really makes sense, but, uh, and so I think that that is kind of the flip side of that, that is really frustrating is it's like, no, like you can, like you can share your burdens with like all these adults too, right? And so I feel like we've create we've worked very hard to create a culture where students feel like our adults are safe people to share what's going on in their hearts and their lives, the things that they're already sharing with their peers, that they're carrying together um, in a way that is helpful, in a way that parents and, and um, youth leaders can come alongside them in those things. So... I don't know. Did I, is that what we were trying to do? Did I totally like make it real heavy? <laughs> no, that was ex- that was excellent. Beautiful. Okay. I'm uh, I'm just thinking about how nerdy my answer is. I was like, that's really good. <laughs> Maybe you should have gone first. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to follow Katie. When yeah. she retires, she can do anything. I mean, it's like... that's right. Hmm. Yeah, Matt, what about you? So, Matt? yeah. So, uh, I really like this question, but my I, my answer is super nerdy. Um, and it has to go back to, like, why I'm a Mac person as opposed to a uh, PC person. And, and that is the whole ethos behind Apple is the intersection of technology and the humanities. And the, and the goal was to create a platform where people could create easily without being an expert in computers right so what i love is that there with technology there has become this democratization of creation our kids can publish art whether it's um written spoken music videos all those things mashed together and even into what, what's, what's a TikTok? Like what, how, what's the time limit? 40 seconds or whatever the time limit is on TikTok. And you can combine all of those things. I, I love the vast expression that's been granted through technology and, and how these kids express themselves. I think that's really incredible. I think, I think it's a part of it. Part of it is not just the tech itself, enabling that but the ethos behind the tech has created an environment where we can we can do that and our kids are interacting with stuff and they're learning and they're growing and they're they're standing up for things they're communicating things Uh, they can be a force and a voice in situations that i mean there's kids with a cell phone in, in ukraine sharing what's going on right we've got kids standing up for the environment we've got all these things going on because we can you can get yourself out there and i think that's incredibly uh empowering for students and i think uh it's wonderful to watch that happen well no i i i I love that i would i was feeling similarly like just the creativity 
that kids have in middle school and high school. They always had it. I mean, we've always seen middle schoolers and the way they dress um, <laughs> as creative <laughs> and uh, expressions. But now just the fact that they can, you know, make ability to make videos. Um, I mean, some of our kids will make an app, you know, and able to right. make games, you know, like, you know, which is absolutely crazy. So it is cool. And, you know, it's cool to see, too, that, you know, in some ways you can you can be an, a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, and you could potentially be a millionaire. Has there been a time in history where you could make a million dollars as a 14-year-old on YouTube? You know, that's <laughs> wild, you know. So and that's partially, I mean, yeah, that's this generation is really creative, um, and they're willing to, uh, you know, take risk and put themselves out there uh, and – and create content. Uh, I I would be terrified uh, to. I think growing up for me, I never dreamed that I would want to be on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, I think YouTube was just kind of becoming something, and I was like, no, I don't want to make a video. You know what I mean? I don't want people to, <laughs> you know. But here we are now making a podcast. So maybe we would have. <laughs> so um, maybe. And then, um, yeah, what would you challenge, Matt? What, you know, this is this is your invitation to. Uh... Oh yeah, this this is this is where I get real get off my lawn. Um, but like like even you said something, Mikey, that you know when I was a kid, we made movies all the time, but it was with the the VHS recorder that like went on your shoulder <laughs> right. that looked like you were to... firing a surface to air. Right. And you yeah, you had to, to cut, pause and you would stop cut and on the camera. You would do the cuts on the camera. Yeah, yeah. And then you would like rewind to the yeah. spot we, we, where you wanted the film to start again. You know your your next scene. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've got some great stories of uh, filming uh, things that went wrong, really wrong. Um, <laughs> but the 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 thing that upsets me is, uh, and this is where I sound like a grouchy old man. What is the cost? of democracy like what is what do we pay when we have democracy and wait you know in our country we believe in freedom of speech well what's the real cost of that the real cost is you have to listen to idiots i mean that's mm -hmm. that's the cost that's the cost of living in a world with free speech like you know if if everyone can talk then there's some people that are stupid and there are <laughs> there is a real negative <laughs> i told you it's gonna yeah. be grumpy yeah. no but yeah that's, go ahead Katie, you know, Katie is uh, shaking her head if you can't – yeah. at Matt, shaking her Affirmatively head Affirmatively or negatively, yeah. She's like, oh, Matt. No, I mean, what I mean is uh, just because we have the, the easier capacity to create and, and share and distribute, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't need a work ethic. That doesn't mean that you don't need a purpose. That doesn't mean that you don't need – and so, like, there are lots of things that I don't respect that are easy to create. Like, I don't think your goal in life should be someone that opens boxes on YouTube to play with toys. I don't think your goal in life should be – I told you this is all you – know, spoiler alert, warning. Like, I don't, I don't know that recording yourself playing a video game is really helping the world be a better place or really a good expression. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. what this democratized creativity has really is fueling is two primary desires that I think students have, which is either to be rich 
or to be liked. Mm -hmm. Right? So how can I get money or how can I get affinity? How can I acquire those things online? As opposed to like, I, I need to create, I have a story to tell. So I think that there's, that's fueling a negative drive in us that I think is really hard for this generation because why wouldn't you want to be Jake Paul? Why wouldn't you want to basically do whatever you want to do, record it, get incredible resources so that you can continue to do crazier, more whimsical, like based on a whim thing and, and have people like you and have people give you money for it. Right. Without the under, undergirding of purpose, uh, how do, how am I a part of the kingdom? Like, how am I mm-hmm. contributing? How am I making other people's lives better? Um, that, that I think some of that stuff gets lost in the wake of what this mm-hmm. enables and creates. So that was my grouchy man segment. Now, now stop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's true. Like, I, I liked the things that you had to say. Like, I feel like it makes sense. And you are a little bit of a grouchy old man, but we knew that coming in. Right? Like... <laughs> But I feel like, yeah, like it makes a lot of sense. And I feel like with each, um, probably, probably for each generation, there could be a thing that's like that, right? Where it's like, well, like these things, like just the, the vast availability of what feels like being able to like hit it, um, hit it rich quick kind of thing, right? And maybe in a way that's without purpose and without real direction or um it's something that's like always attractive right well i think in every generation there's things like that but i think also every wonderful thing can have a negative side right every strength has a weakness and i think that's Mm -hmm. that's i don't know that just how this particular one plays out with technology and social media is has molded this generation shaped this generation more than Mm -hmm. in the past like um, yeah, those those forces have always existed. Absolutely, Katie. Those mm-hmm. desires have always existed, but there's incredible democratization of it and and access to mm-hmm. it, and um, I think it's kind of amplified. But I think it's a that's why I picked that particular one because it's a plus and a minus. Yeah, hmm. I like that, Mikey. Do you have an answer to this question? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the hard things that I have found working um, with students uh, in middle school and high school has been uh, the, re- for me, at least in, in what I'm meeting, maybe this is partially what I'm currently dealing with is this reluctance to forgive each mm-hmm. other or to forgive mm-hmm. when people make mistakes. You know, there's this element of I'm going to, be angry and I'm going to stay angry mm-hmm. and then I'm going to just not seek reconciliation with my friends or with my teacher or with my parents or with, you know, and I think that's a challenge for any middle school and high school student what, across generations, but I've seen it just recently, um, you know, in this in the scenario where I, um, I'm the one who hurt one of their feelings and so uh, I, I was able to share with them, you know, how I hurt their feelings and, and, and say sorry. Um, 
and just experiencing, you know, this, like, kind of this permanency of, like, well, you'll never, you know what I mean? Um, this is, you know, and partially because you are dealing with, with a teenager, you know what I mean, who's, mm-hmm. who's you know, you know. And, but what's a little sad is, you know, at the same time, like, you know, this person, they're just moving on from person to person. Um, and I just would love for this generation um, and these middle school and high school students to know that, um, you know, they don't have to be perfect. They can make mistakes with their friends, with their teachers, with their parents. They can say sorry, um, too. Yeah. Um, and they can forgive each other, um, you know, mm. because because of what grace has been offered to them in Jesus. Um, I feel like one of the biggest ways our kids, our students, will be able to push against that culture um, is literally by seeking ways to say sorry to their own friends where they've hurt, yeah. own their own mistakes, and, and also forgive those who hurt them. And I think if they do that, mm-hmm. I think they will stick out like a sore thumb, you know, in our culture. And people will be like, well, what's different about Johnny? What's different about Taylor? What's different about Ryan? Oh, they, right. they say sorry, you know, and then they also forgive you if you hurt them, you know. And they mm. want to know you, you know. So, you know, that's one of the challenges I, I think I've, I've seen is just the kind of like, kind of almost like, yes, yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. Anyone else see that? Maybe not. Maybe maybe it's just me. Oh, I I, I think that that dovetails exactly to what I'm saying. Right. So I think mm. that scripture makes it really clear that your baseline, you know, fallen human being, when we're hurt, we want to hurt other people. And it's hard for us Mm -hmm. to forgive. Forgiveness is is very difficult just on the basis of human levels. But I think in a world where the currency is affinity, Mm -hmm. right? Who, like, I want to be liked and who do I like and who are likable? Um, I think what are, in a culture where the currency is affinity, but there's no absolute truth there's no morality there's no standard what's left is can we take away somebody else's currency so our righteousness is not how we behave our righteousness is judging other people and canceling them Mm -hmm. right and and the righteousness of our own rage our outrage makes Mm -hmm. us right and so you, you have the basic human hurt level of, of I've been hurt or my feelings have been hurt. But then it's like the rules of the game right now is I can't forgive you. I have to take this away from you. I have to make everybody else not like you because I've chosen that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there, you're, there's, it's like a two layer system now that we have to work through instead of just the base level of it's hard to forgive when you're hurt. So right. I, I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. K- Katie, I want to give you the last word. The last word. Yeah. Oh no, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> go sparkle. I don't, know. <laughs> That's perfect. I don't have a good last word, but I do think. Um, yeah, I really liked the things that you guys said. I think, um, and it even sort of ties back a little bit into some of the things that I said just with you know, within like opportunities to have like deep and intentional relationships comes opportunities to hurt one another greatly. Right. Or to like, and so I think that we, you know, like that when you know more about people, you are able to more quickly and more like divisively, you know, 
um, hurt them or to isolate them, right, with the things that you know and the ways that you can um, sort of put them on blast, I guess. And so, and I think that all of that is so much more easier to do because of, you know, the resources we have digitally through social media and YouTube and all those kind of things. Like, it just is a lot easier and you can do it with a lot of anonymity, which makes it feel feel somehow like more mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so, yeah, and kind of what you were saying to Matt, I feel like um, just the ways in which kids can, I love the fact that I don't understand YouTube or Twitch or TikTok or anything past Snapchat, I was like, I'd, I'm going to struggle to figure this situation out, right? And so <laughs> I don't know um, a whole lot about a lot of those things, but I do find that um, it can be both greatly beneficial and something really cool to be involved with, and kids can use it with purpose and um, with a desire to love God and love other people well, and other times they can it in a way that's really just a desire to um to gain some sort of fame or you know to be able to get more followers or more this or more that and do it oftentimes at the expense of other people and so um and I think those are lessons we probably could learn too as the people that are navigating um a more and more digital culture and digital lifestyle so I don't know. It's all it's all good stuff. I really appreciate it. This is a good conversation. I really like your questions, Mikey. Hey, thanks. Yeah, um, good good job. I like your answers. So, um, <laughs> just Katie's answers, not Matt's. So, right. Don't no, of course. Yeah. I'm but along those same lines, we would love to hear your answers to those questions. We'd love to hear what would you be doing if you weren't in youth ministry, and and what do you see right. as as strengths and weaknesses uh, in this generation? So please go to pcanextgen.com pcanextgen.com and go to the podcast page and list, uh, make a comment underneath this episode. And we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. And that's it for me. So appreciate y'all. Yeah. Bye, Mikey. Bye, Bye Katie. <laughs> Remember, October 16th through 19th, you can join us for the PCA NextGen Conference. You can sign up and get more information at www.pcanextgen.com. For listening to the PCA Next Gen podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Committee of Discipleship Ministries, which is a committee of the Presbyterian Church in America. If you're feeling lonely in student ministry, connect with us at www.pcanextgen.com.